celebrating it. So, all right, well, this morning we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. So, if you want to make your way there, kind of a shorter chapter this morning. So, our plan is to cover all 13 giant verses this morning. So, um, yeah, it's uh, we're going to be having a movie night coming up. Uh, I don't know, let's see, maybe in a well, maybe three or so, four weeks, so um, we're going to be, oh man, I left it here, I thought, oh I did, uh, The Coming Convergence, so uh, we're going to, look, I, I got a promo, uh, hopefully they can see that on screen, but you guys can see it too, anyway, we're going to have it, it's going to be kind of fun, so talk about end times, and um, so that's going to be coming up here in a few weeks, we'll let you know more as we get closer, so. All right, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, let's go before the Lord in prayer, and then we'll pick it up at verse 1. Father, we do come before you now, Lord, and uh, just as we sang, by grace we draw near. And so we thank you for that grace that we have, that we can come close to you. And Lord, as we open your word this morning, we pray that you would just, uh, again, do that, which you're so faithful to do, minister to our hearts by drawing us close to Jesus. And uh, Lord, let us... Reveal, reveal just uh, in a deeper and a greater way your love and your plan and all that you want to say to us this morning. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right, 1 Corinthians. You know, it's kind of funny. There's people that think, you know, you read through the book of Acts and man, why can't we be like the early church? And, you know, you read the book of Acts and it seems like, you know, man, it's just incredible. And it was incredible. Don't misunderstand me. But, um, uh, you know, you really have to read the whole New Testament to get a sense of what the, the early church was like, because as we'll see this morning, there was a lot of problems in the church, just like we have today. It wasn't some perfect, um, you know, place. They had a lot of great things, and don't misunderstand me, you know, um, it was great seeing the gospel spread, the church being established, certainly. Um, but, uh, you know, it still had its problems, and we'll see, again, we'll have to deal with them this morning. And, uh uh, the, the whole letter that has been written so far, again, there was a number of uh, issues that the Corinthian church needed to have addressed. Uh, there were some questions they asked and some things that needed to be corrected. And we talked about, first of all, who they were divided over. They were, you know, aligning themselves with, with you know, with different pastors or, or, you know, again, remember in Corinth, there was just one church. The, the city, as big as it was, just had one Christian church. It wasn't like they had 25 or 30 or 50 or 100 uh, or you know 200 or whatever, and you can kind of move around. There was just one church. And so uh, you know, you went to that church or you basically didn't go to the church. And so you know, whoever came in to speak or came there for a while or missionary groups, which they would come and pass through because it was a port city, and I'm sure a lot of people did, you know, they started hooking themselves up to these different speakers or different people that they like to hear teach and they thought they were more spiritual by by you know aligning themselves with apollos or paul or peter or, or you know no i'm with jesus or you know and again he had to talk to them about that you know it's it's all one church we all are under jesus and he uses different people in different ways and gives them different gifts absolutely but um you know he had to remind them of that and again, they were using a man's wisdom and not God's ways. And the two don't mix. That was one of the problems. Uh, you're thinking like everybody else thinks. You're thinking and processing and, and using, applying uh, that wisdom and knowledge that, that, that everybody does. Rather than seeing and discerning with spiritual eyes, uh, you're discerning and, 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 and seeing with just you know, the natural eyes, and we'll get so many things wrong when we do that. You know, it's easy to, to rely on your experience or, uh, you know, what you think or what you've uh, heard people advise you to do, and, you know, well, this my mom said this, my brother said this, my children told me this, my parents told me this, you know, or this person or this or whatever, a co-worker, this and that, you know, a friend at school, whatever it might be. And, uh, you know, they might be good intentions, and your intentions might even be good. But again, we, we have to see with, you know, how does the Lord look at these things? We, we go to Him, we look with spiritual eyes. Because if you don't, you know, you'll get so many things wrong. 
And uh, he was, uh, you know, reminding that and telling them that how off they were. And again, we left off last time a few weeks ago that, they, you know, they were critical for Paul not coming. Others criticized his teaching uh, that, you know, wasn't so much and wasn't so big and this and that. And so we kind of left off with, with, you know, them kind of just running Paul down a little bit. And he reminded them that, you know, the gospel came to them through the Lord used him. And so now he is going to move on to address specific sin in the church. And, but it's really more than that. And so as we'll look at verse 1, it says here, actually, it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and such sexual immorality that is not even named in the, among the Gentiles, that a man has his father's wife. Now, uh, again... He says he addresses and moves on and says, listen, that's common knowledge in the church that there is a guy that attends a church who is sleeping with his stepmom. Now, it doesn't give us any details. Now, he calls in his father's wife, so obviously not his mother, but his, his stepmother, we would say today, right? His father's wife. Now, we don't know any more of the circumstances, and they're really not relevant or, or important you know, it's possible that his dad had died. I mean, don't think that, you know, it could have been some crazy, you know, kind of a fair thing that they did. But, you know, this gets a sense that it's continuing to do that. They're living together, right? They're, this is a continual thing. And it could be, you know, that his dad died. Maybe that's what it possibly started or something. But it, no matter, no matter how it started, um, he said, this is going on in the church and it's known. And uh, again, there's tons of sin going on in the church that people just keep to themselves. And the church doesn't really have, can't respond to something that it doesn't really know, but it does affect the person and it does affect the church. But this is not the case here. This is a case where they knew about it. And he said, and this is the kind of sin that's not even tolerated by those who don't know the Lord. Even they wouldn't do that. Now, again, we know, uh, if you know anything, and we've talked about this, at that period of time, the Roman Empire, you know, and its preceding, you know, Greek Empire, anything goes. I mean, there was, there was just so much immorality, sexual immorality, as we would say today, or as we would say biblically, you know, it didn't really matter. Anything goes. And, uh, but they did, they did kind of draw a line on this. You know, they, that was looked down upon by, by everybody that was doing everything else. And again, just think of it. It was like, um, our, much like our society is getting today. Uh, certainly, uh, Europe is ahead of us <laughs> in a bad way, not in a good way. On, on the sexual immorality and moving, you know, anything goes. And we're, we're trailing right behind them on that. You know, but every kind of sin that the Bible talks about as sin, the sexual immorality was going on in that culture as it is today. And so I'll let you name them all in your, your own mind. But again, this one, even in our society, it probably would be looked like, what? <laughs> you know, people would be like, uh, you know, oh, you can do this and you can live that way and you can be this way and you can dress this way and look like this or all, you know, nobody gets bent out of shape by that. But that one, even today, I think they would go, what? <laughs> Right. And um, again, uh, this was uh, common knowledge in the Corinthian church. OK, so it was common knowledge and it's actually reported that's that. So what was the church's response to this? Uh, verse two says, and you are puffed up and have not rather mourned that he who has done this deed might be taken away from among you. So he's saying this is what's going on. You know about it. And, you know, it's, 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 it's crazy to everybody. It's, it's, it's even off to the people that just don't know the Lord. And their reaction, the church's reaction, is they're proud about it. And you're thinking, What? <laughs> What were they thinking? You know, it kind of, I don't know, when we start thinking about it, it kind of short circuits our thinking, at least it does mine, and I'm sure you're just like me, you're like, well, how could they, you know, be proud about what's going on? You know, they look at this guy, 
and they know he's sleeping with his stepmom or living with her, you know, however the situation is, it doesn't give us all the details, but they know, you know, they're having sexual relations and, and, you know, here's, yeah, and here's, uh, you know, uh, you know, Steve, yeah, 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 and this, you know, and he, you know, everybody knows what's going on with him in his, in his life, and they're proud about it. What were they thinking? Again, you know, it kind of maybe strikes us as just very strange or odd, but, um, you know, again, in that society, in that time, in that place in Corinth, again, they would probably be proud of their open-mindedness, we'd say today, or their tolerance, or their political correctness, right? In allowing this person to remain in their midst, and don't think that's so strange because, you know, we do the same thing today, quite frankly. And I think as I bring it up, it'll bring more. I, you know, I was just doing some look on, searching online for what's tolerant. And, you know, you can actually hit, um, there, there's a whole website, as you can see it. I just put what's up there. Uh, uh, it did center on Iowa, but I took it away from that for just for your sake, Carl. <laughs> but what it does is it has this gaychurch.org and all the churches in the United States and Canada that are friendly to the homosexual community. And then, it, you know, you can see at the header up at the top, it says, you know, what is homosexual in the binder, Bible say, denominations, and all this other kind of stuff. And so, you know, if you want to find a church that's open and um, has that same kind of attitude, like, yeah, we know, you know, this person's living in this kind of sin, the homosexual sin, and you're welcome here in this church. And so we look at this, and it's strange you know, we think, but then, you know, we bring it in today's context, maybe not so strange, because there are churches that are proud, if you would, of their open-mindedness, their tolerance, and their political correctness, and, and inviting people they know are living in sinful lifestyles in and recognizing them as such, and if you would, giving them their seal of approval as a church. You know, there was a, a um, again, this was a, a, in the USA Today, so this quote is straight out of the uh, a USA Today article, um, and it, this is the title of the article, is the American, Church, American Churches Must Reject Liberalism, Literalism, I'm sorry, and Admit We Got It Wrong on Gay People. And then the, the byline underneath says, churches will continue to hemorrhage, continue hemorrhaging, I'm sorry, members until we face the truth. Being a faithful Christian does not mean accepting everything the Bible teaches. And I'm like, what? <laughs> now, this was in the USA Today, right? Okay, this is, you know, uh, the nation's new newspaper, as they say. Um, and again, you know, there's a little picture down there uh, of a church service that has the, you know, homosexual colors and tell them resist and all that kind of stuff doing a, a church service. And if you're following, the Methodist church is still, you know, in the midst of this split over this, and they still are... You know, uh, I think it's 60-40, you know, a lot of the churches, you know, are, again, going into this direction. And so it's not so strange as maybe we think in this day, because it's going on in many of the churches. Uh, and I think the, the Corinthian church, just like these churches today, you know, they think they make the, more, the church more attractive to those in Corinth. Because remember, in Corinth of that day, the... Aphrodite was worshipped there. She was the main goddess of, if you would, that area and was worshipped there, you know, long before the, the Christianity came in and the gospel was coming in, you know, she was worshipped there. She was the, the goddess of love and beauty and sexual rapture and she was worshipped there. So, you know, that was a place, um, I, 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 for the better lack of term, it's kind of like the Las Vegas, if you would, of, uh, you know, like almost anything goes in Vegas, um, and people go there because of that. And they, and they were just trying to say, well, everybody kind of does this, and man, see, look, we're, 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 we're in step with what's going on in society around us. And Paul's calling them out here. Again, remind them that you're not politicians taking the temperature of society and then moving in that direction. You know, that's what politicians do. Oh, you know, get this survey, get this survey. What are people thinking about that? What do people think, believe about that? And, you know, and then that's what I'm going to talk about, you know, you know, as we get closer and closer to the 
um, you know, our, our June elections coming up and you're probably getting flyers on your doors. Uh, this project, you know, uh, Measure D, you know, about the trails and everything like that. And it's just amazing. Ethan and I were looking at one that was hung on our door about up the, the against Measure D, you know, that's just pulling up the rails and let's like make the bike trail, go along the beach all the way through Santa Cruz County. And, you know, instead of spending all this money and leaving the rails there and, and it's just amazing how, you know, they'll attack and kind of just totally warp the truth, uh, you know, on both sides uh, of almost anything. And, but we're not called to be that way. That's, that's what they do in politics. We're, you know, we're the church. There is a, a right and a wrong. Uh, you know, there is what the Bible says and what the Bible speaks on very clearly. We stand very clearly. Not because it's our opinion and what we think. It's just that this is what the Bible says and we believe the Bible. And, 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 you know, and, and we're not to be like, you know, the celebrities that just do damage control, right? You know, the big thing that's going on with that power couple, uh, what's his face, the actor and actresses that are in court. I, I refuse to read anything about it other than I hit, see the headlines, other, you know, airing all their dirty laundry, um, Johnny Depp and whatever, yeah, Amber, whatever her name is, that, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, doing all this damage control, you know, that's not what the church is supposed to do. And again, um, you know, it's no wonder, especially older liberal denominations that are doing this, you know, everything goes. No wonder they're dying, you know. It's just, uh, why, why should a person go to church? Uh, because inside the church or outside the church, it's, it's the same, right? There's no difference. What do they need to go to church for? What do they get out of it if, if, if there is no difference between how everybody else is living and how everybody else is living inside of a church? What's the point of even going there? It just becomes a social club. Paul says, rather than being proud of this, it should be breaking your heart, right? You should be in mourning, that's what it says. You should be mourning this. Like, you know, when somebody dies, there should be some mourning. He, he shouldn't be allowed to be a part of the church, right? That's what it says in verse 2. should be taken away from among you. He shouldn't be allowed to be a part of the church. Remember, there's only one church they could go to in Corinth at that time. And uh, that's what should be happening. You should be mourning this, and he shouldn't be in the church. Now, that seems pretty hard. That pretty, seemed maybe pretty harsh at first, but we'll see why in the next verses, why he is saying this. So that was what's going on. You know about it, you're proud about it, you're boasting about it, and you're for all those reasons. And what should they have done? Well, verse 3 tells us, For indeed, as absent in the body, but present in the Spirit, already uh, I have already judged as though I were present, him who has done this deed. And uh, I'll put, put that... In the, I like how the new uh, NIV puts it. It said, even though I am not physically present, I am with you in spirit and have already passed judgment on the one who did this just as if I were present. I think that reads a little bit smoother there in verse 3. So he said, you know what? I, I, even though I'm not there, you know, I'm not there, but, you know, I, I'm with you. I'm, I'm, we're together in this. You know, we're connected. And I... And I it's very clear what should be done, and what should be done is the same thing whether I'm there or whether I'm not there. And this is what he tells them, this is what should be done in verse 4. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together along with my spirit, with the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, deliver one, I'm sorry, deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of his flesh that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Uh, so he says uh, to him here, listen, this is what should go on, and I'm with you on this, and when you're gathered together, I, I'm there with you, and, and again in spirit, because this is the, the right thing, you're doing the right thing, so I'm, we're all together on this, even though I'm not physically present there. Don't get some mystical weird thing here. That's not what he's talking about. In other words, we're together on this. We're one spirit. And, and you know, you're all gathered to get together in the church. And obviously the Lord is present when we do that. 
then you turn this guy over to Satan. And basically, you let me just maybe reword it maybe more in today's way of, of saying it. Have a talk with him and ask him to make a decision. Are you going to live in sin or are you going to live for the Lord? Are you going to live for sin or are you going to live for the Lord? You, you can't do both. You, you can't continue to live the way you're living and live for the Lord. You need to make a decision one way or the other. You can't have both. You need to, cho you need to choose. So what's more important to you? If living this way is more important to you, then have your fill, you know? Have your fill. You, you go out and do that, and, and again, you know, see how Satan treats you through all this. See how he's going to, you know, take you through this. It's, it kind of reminds me of that story when the, remember when the, the children of Israel were coming out of Egypt, and they're in the, in the desert, and they're in the desert for a little while, and they're like, complaining to Moses and they're complaining to Aaron. It's like, man, you know, back when we were in Egypt, we had, we could eat, you know, this, we could eat that. We had this variety and all we have is this manna, you know, manna every day, manna burgers, manna waffles, manna cotti, right? <laughs> you know, we have only all that stuff. And so, you know, uh, you know, we, we need some meat. <laughs> and, uh, and so the Lord says, you know, okay, you want to have your meat? So he sent quail and remember and they each one gathered you know like three baskets full whoever went, went out and got it got just tons of it and then it goes on to tell us that you know what they they ate it and they were just so happy to get it they got till it was coming out their nose right remember that's what it says like you have your fill of it see what you know you, you want to do it my way or want to do it your way here, okay, I'll give you what you want. Go ahead. But it's eventually going to come out your nose. In other words, you're just going to get sick of it. You're just going to get sick of it, and it's going to be repulsive to you at some point. That you might see that doing things your way or doing things my way, how things are going to work out for you. And that's the very decision the church is to tell this gentleman as well. And again, what's the whole point of telling him to leave the fellowship of the church? That he might turn back to the Lord and away from his sin, right? That's what verse 5 said, that he might be saved. The, the, the idea is that he'll miss church. You, you know, he'll, he'll miss the fellowship. He'll miss the intimacy. He'll miss all that the church has to offer when you can't go there anymore and you don't get that from any, any place other than the church. You know, the church is unique and it's just sad to me that, that so many people just miss this. And, and even this whole COVID thing has just thrown a lot of people off. I'll bring that up for an example. And they've just kind of gone to this online deal and I get that, and there was, there was a time for it. And, and there's still a time, I guess, for certain people, obviously, they can't get out very, very well, and they you know, can't move around, and there's you know, some people, but it's a very small minority. And you, you just don't get the same thing from sitting watching a, a church service at home. You just, the, the fellowship's not there, and all that the church has to offer. This is the only place where you get all this. And it's so important that we stay plugged in. And, you know, I just encourage you, I'll just talk to the, the camera here. You know, if you don't have a church that you're not going to, uh, you know, watch the services online. And we have plenty of people that watch it online, certainly. But you need to be plugged into a church. Watch, all, I listen to teachings and all the time of all sorts of different people. I think it's great and I love it and I enjoy it. And, and amen, everybody. I hope does it as well, but you need to be plugged into a church because this is the only place where this happens, where you, you, you talk, you get, build relationships, you use the gifts that you have, you know, uh, it, it's just, it's unique in, in, in every sense of the word. And hopefully the design is not to punish this guy, but to actually let him see that, you know what? This sin that you're involved in, you're trading it for this, and it is not worth it by any stretch. Again, uh, so he's encouraging, uh, you know, he's reminding them that. And the whole point of that whole thing, again, we'll see, is it, it, it's, it's to restore him and to bring him back to the Lord. That's the whole point, not to punish him. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, well, 
you know, does church really do this? And, you know, I, I don't really see this. And you're right. For the most part, the church doesn't, doesn't do this today. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's very difficult. Uh, people worry about church splits and people leaving and hurt feelings and misunderstandings and, you know, who don't know all the facts and, you know, and, and the person that you're, you know, talking to that you know is living in this kind of way or living this kind of sinful life, you know, they're just totally into it. You know, they're going to drag away, you know, all their friends or they're going to speak bad or they're connected to somebody that's an elder in the church or a deacon or something. And, and uh, you know, they just don't want to deal with it all. And, uh, you know, and again, it's only the things that you know. The things that you don't know, you, you, you can't, you can't obviously, you know, deal with, but the things that you do know, we still need to do the same thing today. That's important. And again, it's not to punish them. You're to come brokenhearted and say, what are you going to do? Where's this going to lead? You go down that road, where does it actually end up? You know, if you continue to want to live this kind of sin, where does it end up? You know, this is the path leading to eternal life. And that path, where's it going? Is it going in the same direction? Is it doing the same thing? No, it's obviously going in the opposite direction. And so again, but if a person is not willing to repent, then you say, okay, go for it, live for it, and see how that sin works out for you. See what it really gets you in the end. And Again, I think this is important for congregations and for parents uh, as the same thing. You know, we don't serve each other or our children well by allowing them to live in sin. And too often we ignore the sin. We think it's okay. We can even defend them. And, and again, you know, there's even enabling, you know, continue to sin and giving them a soft landing to land on. And it's just never good for them. It's not good for anybody ever at any time. Again, the idea is to, to move them out of the church for the destruction of this sin. And, and basically, as I said, you send them out and say, okay, let's see how Satan treats you. This is the way the Lord treats you and loves you. And, you know, you see that connection and you feel that love and you know his presence in church. Now, when you're moved away from that, and, and let's see how Satan's going to treat you, you know. And you know he's just going to beat you up and... Uh, smash you in the head and kick you when you're down and make it 10 times worse. You know, we all know that. It's, it's kind of like what, you know, the Lord did to, to Israel. Remember, you know, we, we were talking about Nehemiah when they're coming back from the land on Wednesday night. But remember, you know, um, they were keep getting involved in idolatry and idolatry and, and the Lord's warning them, hey, listen, you know, that it's not good for you. It's leading you away from the things of me. It's separate, they're putting a separation between me and you and this idolatry. And, and again, yes, they had little statues or big statues or everywhere in the between statues and all that kind of idolatry. But again, remember, idolatry is, it takes a number of forms, uh, you know, back then as it today. You know, your heart and, your, and what your love and your passion is something other than the things of the Lord, right? Uh, you know, that... You know, you spend your weekends at, at car shows because that's all you're into is cars. And every weekend is a car show and you, you have your car and you go, you know what I mean? That, that's your idol, right? Or it could be any number of things. I just, that was off the top of my head because probably that's what I would do. <laughs> but, uh, you know, anyway, whatever it might be, right? But so the, the idolatry kept coming in, the idolatry and idolatry. And finally the Lord says, okay, listen, if you want idolatry, I will give you idolatry, just kind of like the quail, right? I'm going to send you off to, to Babylon or earlier the Assyrians into those empires, you know, over there, modern day Iran, Iraq, where idolatry is king. They got everything going there, every kind of idol you want. Boy, you will find every idol there. So you want that? Okay, I'll send you over there to, uh, to idolatry central in Babylon. And, um, you know, again... And we'll see, as we have been in Ezra and Nehemiah, them coming back to the land because they, you know, uh, you're right. This is, oh, this is, you know, awful. I was dabbling in it and falling into it and doing this. But man, I see it now in full, in its full glory over here. And oh man, how terrible and awful it really is. And quite frankly, you know, even to this day, the Jews really, uh, you know, uh, you can call them a lot of things, and there's a lot of issues with, with the Jews today, but, you know, they, they, they moved out of that idolatry. They, they don't have that same kind of idolatry. Well, at least the Orthodox Jews, I guess. 
I better qualify that in a certain sense. But the bottom line is, let's just be thinking in that sense, they, they just weren't what they were like before they were exiled into Assyria and Babylon and all that. You know, they were, they're, they're, they're not like that anymore. And, and so again, uh, the Lord's telling them in a very similar thing, a very biblical um, uh, precedence, you know, throughout the Old Testament and certainly now and through the church here again, and um, again, remember, we need to remember that this is all for his restoration, that he might be saved. I like this quote. Uh, let me put it up here. Oops, uh, I get it out of order. Sorry. The church discipline is not a group of pious policemen out to catch a criminal. Rather, it is a group of brokenhearted brothers and sisters seeking to restore an erring family, I'm sorry, an erring member of the family. And I like that. That's the heart of it. Remember that. The heart of it is, is not anything more than that. You want to see restoration. And again, there's a number of scriptures in the New Testament that talk about the same thing. Jesus is interested in restoration. But again, people have to want to choose that. And they have to want to repent. And, um, you know, if, if not, then okay, then go headlong and see how that works out for you. And the point of all that is so that they might come back and see what they're really missing. All right, verse 6 says, Your glorying is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? So one of the other reasons to do this, not only for his sake, but also for all the other people it affects in the church too. Again, we have this illustration of this, of, um, of this uh, let me just turn this up so I can see it, you know, of this um, uh, yeast, right? Or leaven, it says here. And, and you get the idea because Jesus, you know, had this parable of, of, of leaven and, and, you know, told, talked about leaven. And we know leaven represents sin. And basically he says, you know, you, you put a little yeast, and Ethan's our our bread maker of the house, every once in a while he just kind of goes on this bread making thing and, uh, you know, finds some good recipe online. Kind of like you, Thomas, you always find recipes online, but he does this and, and uh, you know, makes some bread and you add a little bit of that yeast or, or leaven, as it's called here, and you put it in the, in the, and you work it through the dough and then you let it sit there and let it rise. And, and of course, again, that's the picture that's used for sin um, in, in the Bible. And Again, just like leaven, yeast will work through the whole lump of dough, you know, so allowing that sin into the church, um, it'll compromise it. There's no room for compromise with sin in the church. Again, uh, you, you have to think about those. Well, if that's okay, then it's okay to do this. If, I, if that's okay, if they're doing this and the church says it's okay to do that, well, then can I do this? And can I, you know, again, it just brings up all that and it's not good. Again, this is the only place where this happens. Church is unique. And again, you know, we're to meet and encourage one another and use our gifts and all those things that the church brings and gathering together and love and, and, and fellowship and, and it just the list goes on and on and on. And again, if we separate others, you know, how they do and what they think, you know, the church is saying, listen, you know, it just... It's not good for you. It's not good for anybody to continue to live that way. You know, we are to be holy. You know, just, we just need to remember this. We're, we're, we're not just called to be saved. We're called to be holy too. And, and sin affects everybody. Again, just think of the Old, Old, Old Testament. Remember Achan after the, the battle of Jericho when Joshua brings him into the promised land? He sees this beautiful outfit, you know, this Babylonian garment. And I'm sure it had like some cool colors that you couldn't get, material that you couldn't find anyplace else. I mean, and, and there was, man, there's just hunks of, you know, precious metals there. And he's going to take some. And uh, you know what? I'm just going to, even the Lord says, don't, don't touch any of that stuff. And he does it, and, and you know, nobody knows about it but him, but when they go to attack the next city of Ai, all of a sudden, you know, this little town of whatever, you know, 5,000 is, is beating this whole army of Israel that just beat this whole big city of Jericho 
because what he did affected everybody. Now, lest you say, well, that was in the Old Testament, but the book of Acts has another example of that as well, right? And I'm sure your mind's going right to it. Ananias and Sapphira, right? They were deceiving the people in the church about what they were giving. They were trying to be something that they weren't, right? They were representing something that, that wasn't true. And, and the Lord dealt with that very, very clearly and very, very strongly. Again, Jesus shows up to church and we want to please him. That is primary, right? And it just takes a little bit. Compromise here or there, and everybody thinks eventually that it will be okay. And we have to know that it's not. And Paul says we need to remind people that it's not. Well, verse 7, he's going to kind of continue on that, and I got my slides out of order, sorry. Um, verse 7 says, Therefore purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump, since you, are, since you truly are unleavened. For indeed Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed uh, for us. Therefore let us keep the feast, not with the old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. So now we get into this great example uh, of the Passover, which we just were in last week. And, uh, you know, we're new creations in Christ. We're no longer like the, like, like the old. And, and, and remember, the idea of, uh, of uh, Passover was, and the day it was instituted, was to put the blood uh, in faith on the doorpost outside. You know, you go like this, and you go like that, and you apply the blood, and, and that sacrifice, again, would cause the, the death that was coming to pass over you. You know, free from that result of that punishment of that sin. And so the Feast of Unleavened Bread is a great picture of this. Remember, they were supposed to, in the Feast of Unleavened Bread, they were supposed to remove, go through their house and remove everything that had yeast in it. Everything that, that had leaven or yeast in it. You were to remove it and take it. You're supposed to scour the cabinets and everything. And for a whole week, you're not supposed to have anything in your house or anything, or eat anything that contained leaven for a whole week. And the idea is, you know, to think of that, you know, working through that sin in your house. You, you just, you want it, you, 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 you always want to get it out. And so they were supposed to remove that leaven from their midst. And, and again, um, so should the church have, their, you know, have a consequence to remove such unrepentive sinners from their midst. That's the idea. It needs to be taken out. Important thing to remember. And I like this quote, uh, and I'll get to it here. It says, Our Christian lives are to be marked by the same thing which char characterized Passover. Salvation, uh, liberation, joy, plenty, and purity from leaven or sin. That's the Christian life. We're supposed to be marked by that. And again, um, I think it would be a good idea for us to, um, to every year, you know, scour the house for sin. You know, you go through and you kind of scour it and, you know, oh, this shouldn't be here and I accumulated that or I got that or somebody gave it to me and this really doesn't have a part of my life. And, and, and there is good time just to go through that, and I just need to get rid of it. Again, rather than let sin in our midst, which is he calls malice and, and wickedness, um, again, there should be sincerity and truth, love that should flow through us. And we need to get rid of all the stuff that shouldn't be there, just like they did with, with Passover. And um, that's what our heart should, should look like. Um, and again... We're new creations in Christ. We're no longer like the old. We have the. We're truly unleavened because of the sacrifice Jesus died for us, and we need to reflect that, not with what the world lives like. We need to reflect the new, the new that we are, and let sincerity, what truth, you know, flow through us. Now in verse nine. It's made very clear, you know, who he's talking about here. So I wrote you, 
I wrote to you in my epistle not to keep company with sexually immoral people. Yet I certainly did not mean with sexual immoral, sexually immoral, immoral people of this world or with the covetous or the extortioners or idolaters, since then you would need to go out of the world. So Paul reminds them that, hey, I, I already talked about this. I wrote you another letter. And again, we don't. the Lord didn't choose to keep that copy for us to read here, but he did address this. And he did address not associating with sexual immoral people. Now, he's not talking about sexual immoral people outside or else, you know, you couldn't, you know, uh, you just couldn't have any kind of, any kind of connection to anybody outside, you know, those who are in the church. And that's not what he's talking about here because you're going to find all sorts of sin in people that, that don't know the Lord. It's out there and the only way to avoid all that is not to be here and we're going to get that in heaven. Okay, heaven's not gonna, is going to be like that. We're not going to have people, you know, not wanting to be at heaven. Eh, I just, just don't really want to be here. I'd rather, you know, again, I always use this tired illustration. You know, a bunch of guys standing around a 55-gallon drum with a fire in it and warming it. Eh, I'm in heaven, you know. I don't really. It's not going to be like that, right? You know, if people that want to be there are going to be there. People that don't, well, there's another place for them to go, and the Bible calls it hell. And, and so... You're gonna. You're not gonna. It's not that you, other people. You, you you can't help but be around them. But again, um, we're not talking about the world. I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about somebody. Again, verse eleven. But I have written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother who is sexual, immoral, or covetous, or an idolater, or a reveler, or a drunkard, or an extortioner not even to eat with such a person. So again, someone who calls himself a believer and a Christian, but they're living this life that's you know completely contrary to what the Bible teaches, then he says, you know, that kind of person, you don't want them to feel comfortable in their sin. And by you accepting them or extending everything that the church should be and all the fellowship and love and all this to them, then what they think is that, hey, it's, everybody's okay with this. And if they're okay with it, God's probably okay with it. And everybody's okay with it and all this. No, the idea is, you know, we're, we're not talking about somebody, you know, we don't want them to feel comfortable in their sin. Now, let me make this very clear. <laughs> Because we're not talking about someone who is struggling with sin, that doesn't want it, that doesn't like it, and yeah, they find themselves there, and you know, but you know, they're just they're not comfortable in it. We're not talking about those kind of people. That's different. We're talking about people that are comfortable in it and kind of want everybody else to accept that or you to be part of it and accept it too. That's what we're talking about here. You know, people that you know, this guy had no. Um, you know, no problem of telling everybody what his living situation with, because he thought, you know, it was okay and cool, and you know, uh, I still want to go to church and receive all that church, and I still want to live my own life my own way, and that's where that's where the lines got to divide. No, you can't. And of course, that's what makes you know so many people go crazy when we talk about this in the church, is that they think, oh man, you guys are, you know. Um, uh, uh, you know, bigoted, and you, you know, you don't, you know, you can't accept me the way I am, and this is the way I am, and you don't accept me, and you shun me, and you know this and that, and all these kind of stuff is like, no, you don't know the Lord. I don't, I don't shun that that sin and that sinful lifestyle. I, I, you need to know Jesus, just like I came to know Jesus, that our sin will be forgiven. But when they demand to come inside the church and say, listen. You know, you need to recognize me and my sinful lifestyle and, and not only recognize it, but be okay with it and put your seal of approval on. Which is what happened, still happens in the church, but it was in a bigger way not too many years ago when, you know, California passed this homosexual marriage bill that you, uh, you know, they, they, could be, they could get married. And then it put all this pressure on the churches saying, Hey, you know, well, you can't discriminate and say who you're going to marry, not who you're going to marry. And that became this big thing, believe it or not. And the church is like, 
there's just no way, uh, you, you know, I'm going to put my seal of approval on and, and, and all the benefits of being married. And it just is incongruous. It just doesn't, it doesn't line up. There's no way I can do it. And so, you know, churches had to go back and put in their bylaws legally that they, they don't perform, you know, uh, same-sex marriages and all these kind of things and had to add things in there because of the state laws. And that's still going to be the issue today. And that's going to be the big push that's going to bring persecution on all of us, as you very well know, is that uh, when people outside demand that the church accept, you know, the sin and the lifestyle and, and be not only just okay with it, but approve of it as well just like we read at that USA article today. You know, not believe all that the Bible says. Come on, let's get with it today, right? And again, um, a person doesn't want, doesn't see anything wrong with what they're doing and don't want to stop, then, you know, you have to correct it. It's just, again, it's like a, a you know, a tumor in your body. You, you wouldn't, you, the, the doctor says, you know, Oh, you have a tumor and it's cancerous, and so you go to the doctor, and uh, you know the doctor says, "Yeah, it's cancerous tumor, but I don't really want to operate. It's it's such a harsh thing, you know. You'd be out of your are you cutting, doctor? Get in there, cut that thing out. I don't want it to grow, right? I don't want me. I don't want to become worse. The doctor would be doing wrong and wouldn't be doing a disservice to say the least by saying, oh, it's too harsh to get a scalpel. You know, it's going to take you weeks to recover. And then you have to go through chemotherapy or radiation therapy and all this. Oh, you're, you know, you're going to lose your hair. You're going to feel miserable. You're going to sick. Uh, it's just very harsh. No, you say, well, I want to get rid of the cancer. If that's what it takes. That's what it takes. And if you would, that same kind of attitude needs to be in the church, right? Again. You know, um, we're to say to those who claim to be believers in Byron sin, you know, take the sword of the Spirit and show where they're wrong. You know, if you really care about somebody, it says, you know, I'm, I, 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 we just can't hang out together, not because I'm mad at you, not because I don't love you, but, you know, I just, I care about you so much I can't allow you to see, continue to, to, to be okay with what you're doing. Because sooner or later that, tumor of sin is going to take a terrible toll on you. And, and I want you to see that sooner than later. And again, as we said, and then, you know, if that continues and that's allowed in, it's, you know, we need to protect the body. We need to protect the church. It's very, it is, it is unique above all, right? But the whole point of this is for, reg, uh, for restoration. Things can't be normal. It wouldn't be good for anybody. And then we're going to finish with this. Paul says, For what have I to do with judging those also who are outside? Do you not judge those who are inside? But those who are outside, God judges. Therefore, put away from yourselves the evil person. So the final thing is here, uh, and I just want to mention this. You notice that the stepmom is not mentioned here at all. Why doesn't... Why isn't she addressed? It seems pretty clear to me. Evidently, she's not a believer, right? She's not even involved in the church. She doesn't go to the church. So, you know, he doesn't say put them out. You know, they both need to leave. It seems like she's not even a part of the church or a believer at all. And and so um, what I think is being told here, don't judge unbelievers. God is going to take care of them. So those are outside the church. You know, it's not your job to, oh, you're going to hell and you're going to hell and, you know, this and this is going on and all this kind of stuff. You know, it's not, it's not our, our, our you know, that God's going to take care of that. You know, leave that for him. You, you worry about those that are inside the body of believers and taking care and make sure everything should, is the way it should be in church. And, and, and deal with that. Let God deal with those outside. Because, you know, all too often the church can, you know, we're activists against the world's wickedness and, you know, we, we fail to judge, you know, those within inside the church. People like to go and march and petition and vote and, you know, uh, this is wrong and let's protest this and let's get this and let's do this. But, you know, uh, to address the world's sin and, and then turn a blind eye to our own in the church is not right. That's what Paul says. We can't do that. 
You get it exactly backwards, right? We're to deal with the Christian community and let God take care of the world's iniquity. That's what you're supposed to do. Your responsibility is to shepherd and love and build up each other within the body of Christ. And each one of us has that responsibility because that's what's best for everybody. And ultimately, you want to bring that person back. You want them to see that it's just wrong in God's eyes. It's sinful. It's, it's hurting them and it's hurting us. And we don't want to see it continue. We want it brought back. And it encourages those inside the church. And certainly the idea is for restoration to bring them back. And when we get to 2 Corinthians, we'll see what happens to this gentleman because of what the church does. And you'll see... You know, happy days are here again. <laughs> we'll see that. I'll give you a taste of it. All right, well, let's, let's pray. Father, we do thank you for this uh, passage. And again, it's just another one of those difficult ones to deal with. Um, not one that, you know, people would generally go to and talk about on a Sunday morning um, because it is a difficult subject. And, uh, you know, they don't want to offend anybody or, you know, hurt anybody's feelings. Or, But, Father, this is in your word, and this is how you want the church Uh, to think and to operate. And we're all part of this. We're all responsible for this. You you know, um, uh, again, we just, uh, we want to know how you want us to be. uh, Utmost and and primarily, Lord, is we want to please you in the church. We want you to be here and to be, look around and take a seat and be well pleased with everything that's going on. And so, Father, we, we, you know, we, we want to do that. That's our heart's desire. And Lord, um, you know, we want to be in tune with what, what's best for your church. You love them. And, and, and you love us in the church more than we could possibly understand. And so when you have us do some things difficult like this and address difficult situations, it's only because you know that's what's best for us. And best, you know, for everybody involved, the person that's involved in it or the people that are involved in it and, and for the other people inside, inside the church. Um, and you do this all out of love and we need to remember that. And there's going to be people that don't understand it. They want us to accept different things and do this. And Lord, we need to stand firm, not because it's our opinion and not because of what we believe. It's because this is what you tell us and what you teach us. And we stand firm on what you want the church to be because it's your church. We're just here to, uh, again, worship you and allow you to be uh, who you are, the head of the church. And, um, and, all, and all of us just uh, connected to you and, and that you know, intimate and deep relationship of, of that grace and love and mercy you've shown to each one of us individually and corporately as a body, Lord. So again, help us, Father, to honor you above everything else. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.